Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend of Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masafat Chagiga, daf Yudbet, page 12. Well, this daf was very puzzling. Uh, we just spent some time on the previous daf discussing topics that one is not really allowed to learn in large groups. And one of those topics is Masaberation, right? The creation. And yet, this daf really spends, seems to spend a lot of time talking about Masaberation or sort of how the world is structured how tall was Adam when he first was created? What was light like when creation first happened? Uh, what is the structure of the Rakia? What is the structure of Shamayim? And so I was really sort of puzzled by this stuff that on the one hand, we're saying, you know, be careful how we learn Masa Bereshit. And now we have a daf that really seems to delve into sort of the secrets of Masa Bereshit or the secrets of how the world actually exists. Though I would note that I'm not sure that it makes it clear. You know, like, it's not as if this is, um, you know, massive ratio for dummies. It, it's still very oblique as far as that goes, you know, in terms yes. of. I, you know, I would agree. And it's one of those staffs like, yes, the individual words are very easy to understand. Um, and you can get what it's saying. But especially in the context of Daf Yomi also, you know that you could spend a very, very long time on this staff to really understand uh, it reads like a Kabbalistic text. I mean, it's just, it's very exactly. difficult. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to go to Beit Ramai Beit Hillel. There's a machloket here on the daf about, well, really about the order of creation. But what's interesting in particular is, you know, we're accustomed to seeing Beit Ramai and Beit Hillel having disputes, you know, about halachic material. And in this case, their dispute is, it reads like a halachic de- debate, but it's not at all halachic in that sense. So Beit Shammai says the heavens were created first. And his proof text, as you might imagine, the proof text is exactly the first verse of the Torah where it says God created the heavens and the earth. And then you could say, well, see, it says heavens first. So that's why he says, that's why Beit Shammai, they say that the heavens were created first, meaning it's all nice logical. So Beit Hillel says, no, really, the the earth was created first. And the proof text is just a little bit later, meaning um, Sefer Breshit, chapter 2, verse 4, where it says specifically on the day that God made the earth and the heavens, meaning it's referring back to the day of creation and it refers back to it as in the context of the day that God made the land or the earth rather and the heavens. So, so Hillel can say, hello, you know, there's a reference to the day of creation and it mentions the land first because that must be what was created first. Amar lahem Beit Hillel and Beit Hillel says to Beit Shammai, Chem Adam According to the rationale of Beit Shammai, right? It says, do you build the second floor and then you build the first floor of your house? Meaning, are you going to build the upper chambers of the heavens and then, you know, then go build the bottom, the ground on the earth? That's a verse from Amos. And so, of course, Beit Shammai has an answer. Have an answer. According to your words, says 
say Beit Shammai to Beit Hill, are you going to say that you're going to make a stool and then afterwards make your seat? Meaning, do you make the footrest before you make the proper chair? Because there's a verse in Yeshayahu in Isaiah where it says, This thus says the Lord, the heavens are my seat and the earth is my footstool. Meaning, doesn't it make sense that God should be making the heavens first? And which is also a point that it's not just one verse that the Bichamai has um, have in it in their camp, right? The point isn't just one verse. It's a it's a way of looking at the nature of creation, and is it you know quite literally top down or bottom up? And then the Chachamim will read, "Ze v'ze ke'achat nifru." Chazal, you know, the people who come after Beit Hillel they resolve it, um, you know, in a peaceable way. They say. This and this, both of these things were created at the same time. This is a verse, this verse is also from Yeshayahu. This time, the first one was from chapter 66, this one from 48. My hand has laid the foundation of the earth. My right hand has spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together, meaning that they were created like you know literally simultaneous uh, as a one act of creation the edach and the Gemara says and the others meaning what are they going to say about this yachtav where each of them is saying both Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel are each saying one came first so how are they going to explain that second Yishayahu verse my yachtav so it says they don't, they're not separating from each other. The idea together, right, doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to refer to the the timing of it exactly, right? Because otherwise it would sound like, well, we've got a contradiction. So what does Reish Lakish say? When they cre- were created, God first created the heavens and then afterwards created the earth. But when he spread them out and put them in the place, in the, in the, I don't know what, in the universe, right? In existence, then he spread out the earth and then afterwards spread out the heavens. The idea being that these verses do present a, chron- a chronology and it's not illogical to pay attention to that chronology, but they, they flip-flop, meaning you have one verse that presents the first coming you know, first Shamaim and another verse that presents first Aretz. And and either one of those is, or rather both of them, I guess according to Rach Lakish, both of them would be then considered to be legitimate um concerns about uh the order of creation. My Shamayim, Amrabiosi Burkhanina, Shasham Mayim. And then the question is, you know, even how do we get these words? Sham Mayim, there is water, is the Origins, according to this little passage of the Gemara, of of um of the word shamayim, but matnitatana ish umayim that there's a, it shouldn't be shamayim but ish umayim the um a person, I'm sorry ish, I'm sorry ish umayim uh fire and water milameja heviana kadosh baruchu v'tarfanza bezeh basamehen rakia. So then, what did God do? He brought them together, the fire and the and the water, and he together made the rakia, the firmament from them. And then 
from this, we get into a whole discussion of the firmament, which is so much more complicated, I feel. And your Dan, I'm going to turn it over to you. So much more complicated than the question, the, the Beit Shammai question of which was first, Shemayim or Aretz, which, you know, in retrospect, ends up feeling um, almost simplistic, right, in terms of, well, let's just see what the verses say. This came first or that came first. Once you start talking about the nature of the creation of Shamayim, right? And then you say, well, it's Aish and water. And now we've got a Rakia. And a Rakia is a firmament. And like, go figure out what exactly a firmament means. Now we're talking about all the reasons why this is the kind of thing that we're not supposed to be delving into to begin with, because it's kind of, you know, beyond, beyond, I would say beyond interpretation or understanding from this level of just of, of Talmudic discourse, right? If we want to be astronomers, we can, you know, delve into Shamayim in a whole different way. But at this point, I feel like, you know, it's so very clear in the language, as you said, Yardena. And on the other hand, I feel totally, it's like mumbo jumbo lost. Yeah. And I just also love the way we've seen these dialogues between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai before. Um, but this dialogue extends to what we'd would consider to be sort of a more typical like midrashic topic as opposed to a halachic topic where each one tries to convince the other one of their side. And it's nice to see how sort of even their midrashic topics are taken as seriously. Like for them, it's all just a description of the world that they know. So it doesn't make a difference if it's halacha, if it's describing, you know, uh, something about Bereshit that's difficult to understand. That dialogue is always there between the two of them. And even to see the fact that they disagree about it says something about this particular partnership. And, I, and I'm using that word carefully. Like, it is a partnership, that dialogue that they have, that they're always sort of sparring and trying to refine each other's opinion well. I think also it's not a surprise that Big Shammai is the one that's saying that Shammai comes first, right? You would expect that. You would exp- I, don't know that you, I don't know that you would be right necessarily, but it's not surprising that it does work out this way, that Big Hill's focus is on Eretz. It totally makes sense. I agree. It totally makes sense. So I'm going to move down to another conversation that takes place. And this is the one of Rabbi Yishmael um, and Rabbi Akiva. And so we've talked about them a little bit before, but I'm not sure that we've done like a full uh, who's who of Rabbi Yishmael. Um, I think Rabbi Akiva, we have talked about, uh, you know, basically, uh, you you know, Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Akiva um, sort of, always are in conversation with each other as well. So Rabbi Shmuel, just know a couple of things. He's a Kohen. He comes from a very wealthy family, uh, but was captured uh, by Romans when he was a young boy and was actually uh, freed by Rabbi Yeshua. Uh, so that's uh, an important thing um, to know about him. Um, and what he's most famous for is, you know, and this we have mentioned before, is that he has this system of the Yud Gimel Midot, of sort of these three principles of how one can do, I guess what we would call halachic exegesis, right? Like, how do you interpret Sukim to derive halacha? Um, And, um, but Rabbi Akiva, um, uh, you know, Rabbi Akiva is a little bit different, right? Rabbi Yishmael sort of uses these 13 principles, whereas Rabbi Akiva allowed that sort of every letter, every word, any dot that was in the Torah was basically uh, open for interpretation. And the other thing about Rabbi Shmuel is, is that he's very, he is of the opinion that the Torah is written de la Shon Adam, right? That it's really written in the language of humans. And therefore there may be some extra words in there 
because that's just the way that humans speak. And Rabbi Akiva uh, did, you know, again, believes that sort of you could take every single letter and it could be uh, it could be subject to uh, interpretation. And I give that background because that's actually important for this conversation that we're going to see. So it says, Sha'al Rabbi Akiva, Sha'al Rabbi Ishmael et Rabbi Akiva, Kishahiyu Mahalim Baderach, right? So you, it's this kind of picture, picturesque scenario. Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Ishmael asks Rabbi Akiva while they're walking together, right? Amar lay, and he says to him, Ata Sheshimashta at Nachum Ishgamzu. It's you who serve Nachum Ishgamzu. So we've also talked about who Nachum Ishgamzu is before, right? And that was that. Uh, you know, there was that famous Gemara about him uh, where he gets, uh, you know, most of his body, much of his, uh, much of his body, uh, uh, you know, uh, cut off. But his, he's famous for this attitude of, uh, of Gamzu Latova. So he was a second generation Tana. Um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that's what he, and he was a teacher of uh, of Rabbi Akiva, and the thing that he's famous for teaching is ribui umeut, right? Um, and uh, and that every time you see the word et, which we're going to talk about here, uh, that it can actually uh, that it can actually uh, mean something. Um, but that famous Gemara that we talked about, where he sort of gets, was in Gemara Tanit and Dav Chaf Aleph Amud Aleph, where he uh, his his you know, he had all these body ailments and things like that that happened to him. And he kept saying, you know, still that 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 uh, that everything was that everything was still OK. Um, but anyhow, that, that was the story that we had about him. So he's saying to Rabbi Akiva, basically, you're a Talmud of Nachum Yishkamzu, Shana for 22 years. Who would explain every time the word et, right, which is one of those words that in English is very difficult to translate, that were in the Torah. And so now he quotes from right Bereshit, Eta Shamayim the Eta Aret, right? The, the Torah in the first Pasuk of the Torah, it says the heaven and the earth. Um, and so Rabbi Shmuel is basically saying to Rabbi Kiva, how did Nachum Ish Gamzu interpret the word eight in this in in these in this Pasuk? Amar Lo, so Rabbi Akiva answers him, Iluna Amar Shamayim Ba'aret, right? Um, so he said, if it had just said, right. Right, not had the word et in it at all. I would have said, I would have said, Shamayim was actually the name of God because you would have read it as that's how it would read. Right in the beginning, God Shamayim created the Aretz. Okay, that's how it would be read. Right, right. But now that it says right, the et means that you're talking about the actual shamayim and the actual arts. And so why do I need to say et arts? He explained why I needed to say et shamayim. It teaches us that the heaven, the creation of, of heaven actually preceded earth, which is interesting because this seems to go according with Beit Shammai that we learned before. Right. And then the next Pasuk, right. In Barishi chapter one, verse two, it says, right. That the earth was, you know, So the Gemara says, okay, wait, first the Gemara, first the, the Torah begins with, with Shammai, right. What is, uh, what's, what's different here 
that now, um, uh, right, why in the second pasuk do we start with the creation of land? And so now this is interesting. So we, this begins with a conversation between Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Akiva. And it seems that Rabbi Yishmael is sort of acknowledging to Rabbi Akiva, you know, I don't have the tools to explain this. Like if I follow my Yud Gimel Midot, I'm not explaining this. But this is a very strange pasuk to me. And I know Rabbi Akiva, you carry the tradition from your teacher, Nachum Yishkamzu, of how to explain this pasuk at Tashmai Batarit. And yet, who answers the question of the Gemara? It's a teaching of Tana Devei Rabbi Yishmael. So I think this is very interesting how it sort of comes a sort of full circle. And so what did this Tana, uh, this seed from the house of Rabbi Yishmael teach? So it's it's like a, you know, king, flesh and blood king who says to his servant, right, rise up early and come to, you know, come to my entrance. He arises and he finds men and women waiting for him. Who does he praise? He praises those who usually did not get up early, but got up early. And that would mean the women, basically. So <laughs> what this is saying is, is that, I mean, that's what most of them are explain, that this applies to earth, right? The earth is sort of like more lowly to the Shamayim. So we wouldn't have expected it to be created with Shamayim. So therefore, it gets discussed at much greater length starting on Pasuk Bet in order to sort of, you know, heap praise on it or, or to show its importance. Uh, the Torah spends much more time explaining the creation of earth than it does creating, uh, than, creating uh, than the creation of Shamayim. So again, I think this Pasuk, this whole exchange is very interesting because it sort of highlights this ongoing machlokas or this ongoing different approaches that we have of Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Akiva. We see it in this dialogue. I think this is one of the few times where we see where Rabbi Yishmael sort of acknowledges to Rabbi Akiva, I don't have the tools to explain this. But yet at the end, the Gemara solves the problem by giving a teaching of Rabbi Yishmael. And so I think in a way, the Gemara here sort of tries to not redeem Rabbi Yishmael, but to basically say like, both of you have teachings that are important to the understanding of mass separation. I think this is, um, I think a particularly important Gemara, like kind of, again, kind of inter, uh, interspersed, not interspersed, that's not the word I mean, somehow kind of making an appearance in this discussion about Masa Brishit, there's really this very important um, halachic process discussion about the methodology of Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva and the fact that they would, you know, have interaction. It's not as if they were competitors in a I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, a sports team rivalry, they're not going to like sit down and have coffee together. And I feel like here, the two of them are going for a walk and Rabbi Shmuel turns to him and to Rabbi Akiva and says like, you have a, the power of interpreting this. And then the Gemara brings it in the name of Rabbi Shmuel. I feel like it's much nicer than people necessarily process when they think about such a difference of approach in, in the method of interpretation. Yeah, and I think we see this on this map with the Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai Machlokas and with this interaction with Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shmuel. Like as much as we always talk about, you know, these pairs throughout uh, Tanaitic and Amoraic literature, you know, of, you know, sort of their bar palukta, but very often they're really, in, and that's why I said the word partnership before, it, their learning is enhanced because of that sort of dialogue with each other. And I see that we, I think we see that very beautifully on this map. 
Right. I wonder, you know, there's very little at stake here in the context of, you know, there's no practical difference of uh, eating on which day is Yom Kippur kind of thing. I know those are different people than are on this stuff. The one other thing that I'll add is that on Amud Bet here, we have a discussion of um, just how these Shamayim and Aretz were created, that the there's a discussion of the Aretz gets that the land was built on seven pillars, you know, and there's discussion of that. And then there's a discussion of Rabbi Huda who says that there's two firmaments, right? There's Shemayim and Shemei Shemayim, that those are the two rakias, the two firmaments in the sky. And then Rish Lakish comes and gives a list of, you know, the seven different firmaments, and each one has a different name, and each one has a different identity, and each one has different biblical verses to back that up. Um, and then Rish Lakish makes a very nice comment about those who delve into, or who occupy themselves in Torah into the wee hours of the night, uh, receive the kindness of, the kindness will come back to them, right? Um, which is an interesting question, you know, how that, is that a, is that kind of a reciprocity of any kind of way of that somebody who dedicates of themselves to be occupied in Torah in the wee hours get some benefit from it? It's not saying it in that direct, um, you know, um, reward kind of direct causation kind of way. But it's a, a nice comment, and it certainly bears further investigation for another time. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcasts. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.